Sharon, good evening to you and uh, thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us this evening here on Metro FM Talk. Good evening. Sharon, it seems to me that uh, much like the, the cyclone in Mozambique, that we have a cyclical trend here, that it keeps on coming back from time to time. And uh, we've seen uh, these kind of incidents flaring up since uh, certainly the major flare up that we saw in 2008. And uh, in Eteguini, not uh, too long ago, we had uh, the same kind of violence. And, uh, you know, who's to blame and uh, what explains uh, the cyclicality of this violence and its recurring nature? Um, you know, firstly, I'm not so sure about the cyclical nature of the violence. I, from our work, and we run law clinics in four different provinces providing legal recourse to South Africans, indigent, poor South Africans who can't afford legal uh, access, but also to uh, anyone who needs it. Uh, and, and, and a big part of our program is addressing the needs of asylum seekers and refugees in terms of documentation. And what our experience is, is that there's an ongoing uh, xenophobic, um, in, in different forms, mm. that foreign nationals, which is euphemism for me, for black African brothers and sisters coming into our country uh, in the way that they are treated, whether it's by the health system and its uh, bureaucracy or by the Department of Home Affairs in the asylum system or by the schools and uh, the Department of Education. So, you know, it, it's ongoing. And, and I think that what happens is when there's horrific violence and looting, the media then covers it. And for me, there's concern mm. that two since the 2008 violence, and one of the big things that was called for is for proper monitoring and for ensuring that there is recourse. But this incidences happen with impunity in our country, mm. and no one is brought to book. What do you make of some of the responses of uh, the African countries here whose uh, nationals have uh, been on the receiving end of uh, much of uh, this uh, violence that we've seen, in particular at Teguini? But of course, uh, this is indeed a recurring theme and uh, is uh, an everyday violence visited, as you say, on uh, uh, um, immigrants of African origin. Look, I mean, you know, we know that uh, there was a famous statement made by our former president Mbeki, I am an African. No African can be a foreigner on the African continent. Mm. I think this was said by uh, Achille Mbembe in an article he wrote in 2015. And that's the, you know, for me, what they are saying is really important. It's significant. We must welcome it. And we've got to respect this. Uh, and I'm not sure that uh, we welcome the, the, the statement made by the Minister of, of uh, the Department of International Affairs, Minister Lindiwe Susulu. And I think that that's the kind of leadership that mm. we want from our government. Okay. Sharon, uh, Sharon, I'd like us to pause there slightly and uh, uh, quickly take a look at uh, what's happening, I guess, in the commercial world. And we'll come back to this conversation. I'd also like to invite uh, all of you uh, Metro listeners, uh, give us a ring there on 89 uh, And I'll also be checking out some of those tweets on at Metro FMSA. You can also t- tweet me at AYAWE and uh, use the hashtag there, Metro FM Talk. 17 minutes uh, before the uh, top of the hour. This is the new and refurbished Metro FM talk with me, Ayabonga Tawe. And uh, I'm in conversation with uh, Sharon uh, Kambaram, uh, head of uh, Refugee and Migrant Rights Program at the Lawyers for Human Rights here in South Africa. Now, uh, Sharon, before we went to uh, that uh, brief break there, we were talking about uh, the response from many uh, African uh, nations here. And uh, I'm also interested to hear from you, certainly, uh, what uh, the response has been from some multilateral bodies, more notably uh, the African Union on this particular 
particular issue because it seems that uh, uh, really there has to be something uh, from a continental perspective as an intervention uh, to deal with some of these issues, uh, which, yes, have uh, criminal elements, but uh, there's a much bigger task really of uh, a resocialization of how us uh, black uh, South Africans in particular see uh, our fellow brothers and sisters from the continent. Um, look, we, I mean, I think just recently the African Union has spoken about a um, free movement on the continent. There's been long discussions in the region around the SEDAC visa. And we, as people working in this field, as people struggling for social justice, have been calling upon the Department of Home Affairs to consider this as a mechanism to manage movement in the region, as a dignified way of respecting human beings and ensuring that we then can manage movement. Um, and, and, and I want to take that question and reverse it and say that, unfortunately, there's a serious lack of political will mm. in South Africa, and particularly under the leadership of, for example, the Deputy Minister of Home Affairs, uh, uh, Minister, Deputy Minister Chohan, in failing to ensure that we respect the conventions that we've signed on to, um, that we're part of SADAC, that we're part of the African Union, and instead what we are seeing is institutionalized xenophobia, which does not help in any way to, to speak to what you were talking about. And, you know, our, our constitution, its vision and ethos uh, is about respect, integral integrity that we as human beings have, respect for that. And we see an infringement of that on a daily basis. Mm. The, the other thing I'm quite interested in, uh, I guess when you say we've institutionalized uh, some of this xenophobia, one would think that we're also talking about, I guess, the serv- service delivery touch points that many uh, immigrants have to interact with, uh, be it at Home Affairs and uh, even the Department of Labor to get things like work permits and the like. Just uh, uh, f- from your own experience, uh, w- what kind of, I guess, reports have you received uh, from many immigrant communities about their experiences when they have to interact uh, with uh, those arms of the state? Um. You know, as I said to you, a lot of the work that the attorneys that work in our clinics have to deal with is uh, struggles to access education. This is unconstitutional. Our, our Bill of Rights is very, very clear that basic human rights like access to education, access to health care, basic health care, no one living in South Africa can be denied uh, those basic rights. And we find this infringement on a daily basis. And it is... You know, when you talk about xenophobia, I struggle with how to separate xenophobia from just blatant racism, because the darker your skin, the likelier your chance of you being asked where you're from, Mm. are you a foreign national, and then the uh, treatment gets meted out accordingly. And I think that we've got to lay this at the doorstep of leaders who are making incredibly dangerous public statements unsubstantiated statements. To this day, Gauteng uh, province or the Joburg mayor, for example, cannot give you statistics of how many uh, foreign nationals are living in Johannesburg, how many internal migrants are living in this province. We need to know that if we are going to do proper um, scientific-based planning and projections for service delivery. Mm. And if we don't know those facts, then what we do, and we don't implement our policies to address inequalities, we scapegoat migrants. It's an easy thing to do, mm. and, and, and the leaders are getting away with it. Unfortunately, we're seeing it by the DA and the African National sure. Congress as we're going towards election. 
I think you're spot on on that one. Uh, certainly, uh, in terms of the ANC and the DA being bedfellows on uh, uh, the uh, immigration policy or, or their stance on uh, uh, immigrants here in South Africa, and uh, also you make a very interesting point that uh, you know many of the Eastern European migrants that one would find, for instance, in Bedford View, don't receive the kind of treatment that immigrants from the African continent and other places in the third world—Bangladesh, Pakistan, and all of those places—receive. And so, in, it does indeed have some form of racial undertones and underpinnings, and that shouldn't surprise us. Certainly, in a country that has always positioned itself, I guess, as a province of Europe. And uh, sadly, even black South Africans have started to, to, to accept it. The last one on my end, before, before we let you go, Sharon, and I guess it speaks to something that former President Mbeki uh, touched on when uh, he was asked this question of whether or not South Africans are xenophobic. And he felt that in the investigations that they had done when he was still at the presidency, they then found that, uh, I guess, there was this hidden hand of local tradespeople who were the ones who stood to benefit if indeed there was a, di- uh, a displacement or a dislocation of some of these immigrant traders in the communities. Are, are you finding a similar pattern here in terms of, I guess, uh, the people who are mobilizing these kind of tropes and, uh, of course, also benefiting from the kind of uh, violent action here? Uh, look, I think it's, uh, again, a consequence of the kind of, uh, you know, um, uh, um, Scapegoating in the way that Trump and, and mm. leaders all over the world are, are doing in, in finding uh, migrants as an easy target. But what we uh, the response to your question for me is in dealing with chronic unemployment in our country. In dealing with we have to stand in solidarity, and I think that there are really good examples, champions of South Africans like the response in Durban, there's been an outpouring of support. And many of those are people from South Africa, the church-based, uh, you know, faith-based organizations that are responding. And we need to make sure that we, we, we speak about this because it's not all South Africans that are involved in this. But I do feel that the, the, a big part of this problem is that the inequalities, which were a hallmark of the racist, capitalist, apartheid state Mm. remains today. And until that is not addressed through a conscious strategy by this government for redress of the ills of the past and the unfair privilege that a tiny minority benefited, then we're not going to resolve these problems of Mm. violence. Sharon, we'll have to leave it there. I really appreciate your time. And uh, thank you so much uh, for speaking to us this evening here on Metro FM Talk. Thank you for having me. That there was the head of uh, the Refugees and Migrant Rights Program at Lawyers for Human Rights in South Africa, Sharon Kambaram. And uh, speaking to us there about some of those issues, would love to hear your perspectives on that one. Share it with us. Uh, do check out also on my timeline on at AOI Tower, where we shared, of course, uh, the visuals of that earlier clip that we played by Thomas and Corby. And uh, surprisingly, uh, well, I guess not surprisingly, but coincidentally, uh, both uh, Thomas and Corby and uh, Chief Albert Lutuli were both born in the nation of Zimbabwe. And it makes one wonder why we uh, go out and defend borders that uh, were drawn with a pencil at the Berlin Conference with our lives uh, for interests sometimes we don't even understand or stand to benefit from.